to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Well, folks, uh, before we get into our episode today, we want to take time to update you on some tragic news within our industry. Uh, we feel that uh, it is with our heavy hearts that we announced that Mr. Jordan Fletterjohn lost his life in a tragic car accident last week. And I know we're a little late, but uh, as we record this, it happened on September 11th, um, just down the road from his house from what we hear. So our hearts go out to that family and all the friends, and um, it's a tough time. You never know when your life is going to be taken in an instant. I actually had the uh, the fortune to... Uh, room with Jordan there when we were both at Ohio State. And uh, my goodness, his livestock mind and what he did in the goat industry at such a young age is absolutely amazing. So um, it is a very, very tragic moment. So if you would, folks, um, keep the Fletter John family in your prayers. Um, just a absolutely tragic moment for that family. So keep them in your thoughts. And um, we will uh, always keep them in our hopes and prayers as well. Beautifully said, Trev. Uh, I don't have much to add to that, buddy. That's uh, something that I know we talked about last week um, when we heard the news. Just uh very unfortunate and sad time um, for, for those people, especially the ones that were extremely close to Jordan. So our thoughts and prayers are with you all as Trevor said, and we hope that we can all maybe learn a little something from Jordan and that, uh, you know, if anybody even got the chance to meet him, they knew that he lived life to the fullest. And so you never know when your moment's going to come as well. So we all hope that you live your life to the fullest also. So let's That's switch right. gears well, a little bit, Trev. Yeah. Yep. It's uh you know, I I don't think I knew Jordan well enough to know that um, it losing a life is never easy to take. But um, I know he's probably up looking down and would say, "Hey, get on with the show." So, uh, but uh, with that being said, folks, we uh, we are excited to have a guest. I'll let Corey introduce her later, uh, as always. But before we do that, uh, we could not do this without Walton Webcasting. Uh, as you know, this is the best way to see live events from the comfort of your house or barn or car or wherever you may want to watch. Obviously, if you're in the car, better be in the passenger seat. Um, anyway, they are all over the place. They just got back from uh, Kansas a couple weeks ago doing their state fair. Tulsa is coming up in a couple weeks, so they are all over the place. And uh, Corey, I'm sure that uh, baby pig sale season is coming right around the corner. So they will be all over the place with that as well. Uh, obviously, Perry, Georgia, they go down there every year. They're just all over the place. Folks, if you want to see hilarious information, or I shouldn't say it's information, but hilarious videos, uh, we have what we call... That is the funniest videos of our buddy Greg at Walton Webcasting. That is their jingle. Uh, he made it himself, of course. He does all of the cool graphics. Uh, make sure you subscribe so you can get in and look at some of the hilarious stuff. Not only are they funny, 
uh, but you really can get into some knowledgeable stuff. Uh, they have in the know, as you guys hear every single week. Walton Webcasting, the best way to see livestock like you've never seen it before. Trev, you talked about show pig selling season. Uh, I sure uh, did. For fall pigs. Mm-hmm. Boy, what a time to be alive because if you are trying to sell show pigs, there is one platform to do it on, and that is showpig.com. Another presenting oh, sponsor. Another presenting sponsor for Stock Talk Podcast. Trev, they're running a September special. You can get a Oh really? You can get a two week featured banner ad for the low price of two hundred dollars to promote your upcoming sale, event, new bore, or product. The original price Wait, how much? Two hundred dollars for a two week feature banner ad. The original price is two seventy five. So Go get your discount. We only have a couple weeks left in September. Take advantage of that. Promote your sale, your event, your new boars that you've collected this summer and, and maybe later here into the early parts of fall. Folks, if you are looking for more exposure and 24-7 brand promotion and online presence helps establish credibility, introduce and build your brand image, and it allows even the smallest businesses like us here at Stock Talk Podcast to compete in an ever-growing, fast-paced industry. Having a website that is mobile responsive is now imperative. How many times do you sit there and look at boar catalogs on your cell phone? Or you scroll through showpig.com looking and seeing who's selling what and for how much they're bringing. At least every time I poop. Exactly. So, don't be a turd. Let showpig.com design team help you create your brand make an impact and reach potential customers while they're taking a poop from across the country on any device. They offer many different packages that fits every budget. Ladies and gentlemen, showpig.com. If you can't spell showpig.com to go search it <laughs> online, I don't have anything for you. Just listen to the show. <laughs> oh man. So uh, let's set up the stage here for uh, this episode today. I'll let you announce it because I gave away uh, Shane last week, and I know you you wanted me to wait. So I'll, okay. I'll wait this time. But okay. uh, we kind of ad-libbed it, but this is an individual. We were dying to get on the show since Expo back in June. Uh, we ran into this individual and said, you know what? There's been people that were asking if you were going to get on. So we finally did it, and you did it in person, Corey. You were there in Indiana, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of jealous. I miss my old buddy. So who do we got? Ladies and gentlemen, you've asked for this. You've asked us, mostly ladies, have asked us to have more female guests. Well, on the show today, we have a bright young mind in the industry that has been raising and showing hogs out of sires by the name of Moonshine and Beefcake. (laughs) Her and her brother have shared clothes since the age of four. (laughs) (laughs) She works for one of the largest, most successful agribusinesses in the United States of America. She loves her show pigs. She's engaged to a man who I can only describe as one of the bravest people to ever wear a mustache I've ever seen in my life. and. Not only this, but she has created her own show circuit in Florida. She knows what it's like to run around with citrus. 
ladies and gentlemen, on today's podcast, we have Miss Brianna Lawyer. One of my favorite people of all time, Brianna Lawyer. Thank you for jumping on. Uh, Corey, set the scene for us. Where are you guys at? Uh, we are currently sitting on the second floor of the Sheridan on and Keystone. on Keystone in Indianapolis. So if you hear uh, glass clinking and people yelling, that's because they are downstairs having beverages. But we are on location and I'm sitting across from a beautifully recognizable face. There you go, Bree. From Is back, there someone behind me? Oh, that's you. <laughs> yeah, we were pumped up because this actually worked out for once. Uh, Corey was in Indiana there with his family getting some sheep ready, or I guess you're going to put some hay up in a loft here pretty soon. And Lots of uh, stuff. Lots of stuff. Brianna happening. was in town, so we're like, oh, I wonder if this will link up. And it actually did pretty well. So, Brianna, thanks for joining us, man. Uh if you would, as always, just tell us a little bit about who you are for those of you who don't know you and what you're doing now and where you're from. Awesome. I, I look forward to it. Um, thanks for having me on, Corey and Trevor. Um, it kind of brings back memories from from our Black Hawk oh, yeah. days of, of being together. But um, just a little bit about myself. So I actually grew up about 30 miles east of Indianapolis um, on a family row crop and hog farm operation. Um, actively involved in 4-H and FFA in the livestock industry in itself. Um, had the opportunity to judge livestock at Blackhawk East and uh, Purdue University after that. I majored in ag business and um, started with Corteva AgriScience. Now, as many may know, um, a a birth child, I guess you could say, of the Dow DuPont pioneer merger. Um, so I actually lived in Florida for about three years, um, taking on a crop protection sales territory during that time. And um, about a month and a half ago, I had the opportunity to uh, relocate to headquarters and work in Indianapolis. So right now I'm, I'm able to be a bit closer to the family farm than I was before. Um and continue on with Corteva, still take advantage of um, going to as many livestock shows as possible. Um, so I would just say a little bit about myself. It would be um, in a in a wrap up is Indiana, Indiana grown hog and row crop operation and heavily influenced. Unfortunately, as many of, of the listeners may know, my older brother um, heavily influenced by a lot of, of his routes as far as um, becoming passionate about the livestock industry, um, more specifically raising hogs. And then we actually took the same exact education path in terms of uh, learning from Dan Hogue and, and Matt Clays. So that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. Uh, avoided your second potential hurricane also. I did. I did. Um, nice job on that timeliness. It, yeah. I couldn't have lucked out any more than I did. Um, I'm very fortunate as well that uh, a lot of the folks that I know down there were able to um, dodge a, a bullet as well. So um, certainly lucked out in that department. I would say I so. Yeah. Uh, that thing, thing took a turn, but away from Florida, but not, uh, not, not the Bahamas. good. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Trevor, 
we have lots of stories we could share oh about Brand Lawyer that we probably shouldn't <laughs> have on the air. Um, but one of those things uh, that I think we can all relate to is uh, we all kind of went into Blackhawk with a passion for showing pigs uh, and maybe raising livestock and who better to learn from than Dan himself. Mm-hmm. But Brian, I want to know, the story of what it took for you and Seth and your family to start raising hogs. Cause you guys have a commercial yes. operation as well. So like, yeah. um, obviously I'm sure you kind of grew up with that kind of passion and then yeah. transitioning into the show pig world. Um, you know, how did you guys get started and maybe what did some of those breeders and sows look like that you worked with back in the day? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, kind of like I, I touched on, earlier, um, a lot of my decisions stemmed from heavy influence from my older brother, Seth. So um, growing up on the family operation, um, production ag was really how it got started, I would say. Um, I mean, obviously, dad would pull hogs from the finisher barn when we were little, and that's what we would um, take to county fair. Did they have ear notches? Yes, they had ear notches. Um, as do some hogs in the Bahamas. <laughs> um, but I mean, so that's really how it kind of got started. Really just um, third generation, typical row crop um, hog farm um, operation. And then stemmed from that where Seth's interest kind of peaked in terms of wanting to take on a little bit more um, of the show livestock side and, and focus a little bit more on putting some sows together himself. And um, me being the the follower that I am when it comes to anything that Seth does kind of just wrote on his coattails in terms of what he was interested in, um, tried to, you know, followed him around about every chance I could, whether it be judging contests or um, going to look at boards. So that's essentially how we got started. Um, Right now we have about 25 sows. Um, We do have a a very diverse set of sows, um, crossbreds, Yorks, um, Chesters, a couple of red ones, uh, now and again. And then we also have, have, we dabble in the Herefords every now and then. Um, so really I would say our main focus is, um, would be the York program and, um, you know, have always taken advantage of some of the quality offerings that, um, Mike McCoy or, or plats put together. Um, so, and also in addition to that, so been fortunate enough to work with Seth, but also, um, now moving forward, have the opportunity that Austin and I have started, um, buying some sows together and kind of focusing on, um, some genetics that we can get our hands on as well. So that's kind of, I mean, it started out as just a family hog operation and, and Seth kind of got us started in terms of making that, um, broader shift into the livestock industry in itself. So would you say of those sows, do you have one that's just a absolute beast that stands out? She's your favorite or maybe one of the past? Absolutely. So there is one of the past, um, one in the past that will always be Seth and I's like favorite, favorite sow of all time. She was an invasion so we the, the reserve cross scale at Indiana was a live in the dream invasion. And that was the first time, first and last time, I guess you should say, um, I had the opportunity to show at the Coliseum at Indiana. Um, 
and we had a littermate Vera that won his class at Indiana that year. And then we had a, a littermate. Um, she had a calico guilt that won her class the next year at Indiana. Um, so just that cell line was one that you always look back to um, and wish you could have some more of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, it seems like no matter who you talk to, there's always one sow that stands out. I mean, I would go to Jim or Mike McCoy, and they would they would pull back in some of that old stuff. And, uh, you know, every breeder, no matter what species, they have a female that always kind of rises to the top. And uh, I always like to ask those questions because some most of the time uh, that sow branches into a lot of the current females that are that are you're working with now. So uh, I always like to see how that, that all works out. But uh, there is so- another... Go ahead, Corey. I, I do. I am wondering, did Seth, was Seth the reason you guys dove into the Hereford breed or was it stemmed from something else? So it actually stemmed from Hank Pegg. Hank Pegg. Had a Hereford guilt that he wanted bred. And the lawyer operation is kind of like the collection point of anyone that wants something bread um (laughs) seth always agrees to letting people so letting people um, bring guilts to the farm and we kind of just take it from there and typically work out a deal of if people want to um get babies and they can but that's how the hereford operation started pat albright is having a Real aneurysm right now. Mm-hmm. Thinking about biosecurity. Oh, gosh. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. When it comes to that, yeah, and I think a lot of people would <laughs> freak out in regards to biosecurity when they realize that my dad's um, just that we we are in both the production side uh-huh. and the show pig side. So um, that's kind of how another thing about the lawyer operation is. Um, a lot of people that came to the Big Ten sale in March, um, my dad is extremely hardworking. Like you don't ever see him relaxing. And a lot of people um, that were coming to the farm early the morning of the Big Ten sale were like, who's that guy walking around with like the tool belt and the hammer? And he's like putting this window in this door. And they're like, this sale is at like five o'clock. Like, is this guy going to have this place done? Like, who is that? And Seth, Seth and I just kind of chuckle. I'm like, yeah, it's our dad. He'll have like a whole new roof put on the barn by the end of the day. It'll be fine. <laughs> so he gets everything done and everyone like is just like amazed at how quickly he put up like a sliding door, a window and a door. Like it's just, but so dad pretty well oversees, um, He's got a 5,000 head contracted nursery. So he oversees that. And then um, Seth and I, when I'm actually around at the farm, um, kind of manage the the show pig side. But I'm not afraid to to lend old Gary a hand if he needs someone to hold up a herding board. There you go. Now, there, there's a question that I'm just dying to get to, and I'm just going to jump right into it. Your addiction to moonshine and beefcake, uh, the boars. Oh, uh, not, not the alcoholic beverages or large not the beer drink that, yeah, <laughs> that will knock you out. Um, but the, the Yorkshire boars that we go, we all love. I, I remember you and your brother 
on many occasions, maybe separately, if you bring up those boars, it's at least a 30 minute conversation about them. So what led to that addiction or is there a certain litter or story that you have that kind of surrounds yourself by loving that moonshine beefcake era? Yeah. So I would say even, um, add live in the dream to that. Um, so Brian Arnold would always, anytime, um, Seth and I would, would post a picture of a guilt or something, we would always get a text from Brian Arnold. Um, and he would always be like, is this one a beefcake or a moonshine or a live in the dream major, the feet, major feet. So, um, I would say that that was kind of like, we were always, the blunt of the jokes as far as any time moonshine or beefcake brought, got brought up, people would always kind of make fun of Seth and I and Trevor, I think <laughs> you can um, add some, some more specifics to this as well. But so we took a little white bear to McCoy's sale one time. And um, I mean, a ton of people love blue bears. I mean, they sell easy. Everyone just loves them. Well, and, well, and he was a moonshine. Back then, back then they did. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even back then you had to like, I feel like give away blue bear, blue bears. And <laughs> yeah. so we're taking a blue moonshine bear to a McCoy um, weanling sale. And we're like, all right, he, he looks good. We like him. But he's blue and he's a moonshine. And um, I believe I could be wrong. And Trevor correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm about 99% sure that McCoy said that he got crap for people saying that moonshine would never sire good bearers. Yep. Yep. Always side for females. Never good bearers. Yep. Never good bearers. And, um, Brandon Ogle judged your County fair. And I remember Seth and I went to Ohio to watch that County fair that we sold that bear to, and it just happened to be the Kirkpatrick family. Um, yeah. And Brandon Ogle judged and he ended up winning that County fair. And I remember um, McCoy talking about it at their board tour about how he always got crap about how moonshine would never make bears. So, um, I mean, there is definitely an addiction between moonshine and beefcake at the lawyer, the lawyer farm. And that was, I mean, that one wasn't just like, I mean, Fayette County in Ohio is the, is the county. My sister had this bear and that was 2010. And that's a county that it's not just, uh, uh, the, you know, the widest one wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, you know, it's kind of cliche for me to say, but pretty damn hard County. Um, you've got now it's even harder because everybody has three sows that they're trying to right. win the fair with. But anyways, uh, getting through that one. I'll be honest, that's probably the easiest show we've ever won. That bear was like, why is he here and why is he not at Columbus? But um, my sister insisted to take that one to Fayette County. And uh, it sounds arrogant, but it is what it is. That one walked through the show. And that was really where we we actually met and said, hey, you know, I'm going to Blackhawk, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then from there is... At once we got to Kiwan, he's like, "Oh yeah, moonshine bear." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you but, guys were driving hogs on the floor of the shack. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I would even say that that beefcake in itself. I mean, we talked a lot about moonshine, but beefcake. A lot of our York sows go back to beefcake. Um, I showed a York gill in 2013 that was an untouchable beefcake, and we thought she had a pretty good summer. Um, never quite 
fluffy enough um, to to play the big leagues, but she got along in her division at Expo and, and Louisville and some jackpots in Indiana too, but she was an untouchable beefcake. And um, those were some of our best sows. Um, so we, we may catch a lot of flack about it, but Hey, you got to do those things grow too. I mean, I think it's a common misconception. You know, people are afraid to use Yorkshire boars nowadays to get those crosses or, Mm -hmm. or what, what have you. But they, those Yorkshires have plenty of muscle now. They're stout featured. They got width. And if you breed them right, uh, they're good hogs. I don't understand the stigma of Yorkshires can't make barras, uh, make crossbred barras because that's proof in the making. Um, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I, I think they could be utilized not only obviously as purebreds, but stick them in the right sows. You're going to get good crosses, get good blues. Well, that and I think, I mean, with any, with any species that you're in, I think we are quickly and luckily with any species, like, like we mentioned, we're quickly diverting away from all focusing on muscle. And, um, I think that's certainly helped with that stigma a little bit, but, um, luckily I think we're, we're starting to continue on a more consistent path of focusing on, as Hoke would always say, building them from the ground up and keeping them square. Uh And, um, I think that's something that you can easily build around and the rest kind of just becomes a, a feeding contest. Was it yeah. a good selling point for you and Seth when you were, when you had some moonshine litters on the ground to say, Hey, these things will feed and turn out better than Seth and I did. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we are, we are comparing um, to some heavy competition as far as being, um, you know, easy feeding and, and stout scold when you're comparing them to Seth and I. Um, but I mean, I would say that a lot of our, our babies are pretty green in itself. So, um, that can kind of <laughs> work against us a little bit when it comes to comparing them to us because they're not we're not this the stiffest competition. <laughs> hey, you there listening to the podcast? Do you have a diesel truck? Well, if you do, check out Fleece Performance. They have a complete lineup of race-proven products for your truck. Everything from their famous drop-in Cheetah turbochargers for Cummins, Duramax, and Power Stroke to injection pumps, lift pumps, and cylinder heads. Ladies and gentlemen, visit them at Fleece Performance. That's F-L-E-E-C-E Performance.com or head to their new service and manufacturing facility in Pittsburgh, Indiana, just west of Indy on I-74. Uh, man. So let's talk about, let's talk about some of these boars that you guys have put in studs. It's, it's been, um, it's been kind of fun to watch your guys' program just from the time, you know, you were kicking my butt, um, judging livestock in high school all around the country. Uh, but you know, because at that time it seemed like, you know, that's when Seth was really starting to pick things up. Mm-hmm. And, and so you guys started kicking more things out and so on and so forth, but you guys have put some boars and studs, um, that have been successful and for customers and things of that nature. So, um, I want to, let's talk about a couple of those, um, maybe some of your favorites. And then, um, you know, what are some things that you got, you and Seth did to get those boars noticed and in the right hands? 
So I would say on the first one that comes to mind and one that will always probably be Seth's favorite, um, I can't really attest to him a whole lot because I didn't really see him very much as a baby um, because he got sold so young. But Bone Chill Mm -hmm. is the first one that comes to mind. Um, And that one actually got sold first in Oklahoma to Chris Postier. And uh, he actually goes back to another one of our favorite sows, um, a legacy sow. Um, so he's a bone, he was a bone collector of legacy. Um, he is out of the same sow that Gentry's sold in Indiana. Um, that was third overall, uh, reserve cross at Indiana when Doug Albright judged. Um, I, I think that's the year Albright judged. Um, nope, I'm sorry. It was the year, um, it was the year that. Hirschfield judged, Albright judged Boone County Fair um, that she won that year um, and then went on to State Fair. So um, back to Bone Chill, he actually sold in Oklahoma first um, and then Laird's bought him from Chris and brought him up to stud. So I would say he's one of our favorite boars, um, produced um, some pretty good keeper gilts uh, for a lot of people. Um, and then, I mean, just consistent as far as ones that are easy to, to feed and get along with. Um, another one that comes to mind, I mean, I'm not going to say that we are boar breeders <laughs> by any means, because like I mentioned earlier, a lot of our stuff is, um, isn't is the most out there. Uh, we like to focus on ones that are just pretty um, complete and let people feed on them as they wish. But Another one that comes to mind is King of Spades. It's at Lean Value. Um, that oh, yeah. Rusty Bingham, Rusty Bingham bought at Expo, um, and it's funny. I remember when Seth drove that one at Expo. Um, he was chomping, and I thought Seth was going to get his leg bit off because um, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot there to have to fight with. Um, but one that um, you know will take boards to expo and and Louisville every now and then. And that's really how we like to promote them. Um, We're not huge sending videos to, to a bunch of people um, all the time. It's really just a matter of taking them to shows and let people see kind of what type of hogs we generate. And like I said earlier, I'm I'm by no means going to say that we are our boar generators, but when we have one that, um, you know, is, is complete and hard to pick holes in, We'll certainly try to to drag them out. And I can attest to King of Spades. I mean, I'm selling his semen now. Um, and I forget what year that Rusty bought him, but he is still it very popular. It would have been two years ago. Two years. Okay. He is still very popular. There's people that uh, we showed him at Open House, and he was still uh, quite the buzz. So you're, uh, the lawyer board deal is still alive, my friend. I appreciate that. I mean, I would say, I would say that we've got a a stronger run, um, you know, on the guilt side at times. Um, Erica Langhoff had um, a bone collector Mm -hmm. guilt at Expo a handful of years ago um, that DWE um, had had shown a little bit um, at, they took her to classic and, um, just one that was, was pretty cool. That was probably one of the more interesting ones we'd ever put together. Um, goes back to another one of our prominent sows. Um, we've got a gunslinger 
a gunslinger sow that is somehow still at the farm that's like six years old. I was going to say, um, I've done a lot of sales with that with that name back in their pedigrees. Yeah. And I mean, she's, we showed her the same year as the Untouchable Guilt. So she's about six years old. Um, we, we pulled her off the finisher floor um, about, uh, I mean, a couple of weeks before the first, the first jackpot we took her to. Wow. So. Jeez. Um, man. Corey, so. do you think it's topic time? Play me the music. Topics from a Brought to you by Pierce Threads. Folks, the only hat that we use in other merchandise and barrel comes from Fierce Threads. Fierce Threads, your number one source for high-quality screen printing and embroidery. Put your business success at the forefront and upgrade your apparel today with Fierce Threads. How was that, Ed Reed? Reed That's pretty think? good. I like it. What do you think? I actually read that in front of me, so it was not rehearsed. I will say Fierce Threads. Um, they're the ones that put together our shirts in Florida. Yep. They do a good job. Yes, they do. They We're going to talk more about and, Florida after a bit. I'm, I'm excited. Okay. Oh, yeah. More than, more than just hurricanes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, topic number one comes from Molly on Facebook. Actually, this is going to be our only topic, but I feel like we can really elaborate on this. Yeah. Uh, Molly on Facebook sa- uh, says, what are your thoughts on having the same judge for three or so years in a row for the same show? Which I've never really heard of a judge Three years in a row. I mean, I've heard of uh, two, two, but I think okay. two's okay. Yeah, here's an example, a personal example. I I was at the same fair. I don't know if they meant like showmanship, 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 or like show, two show showmanships and then two <laughs> market shows. But I've been to actually three fairgrounds now where they asked me back three years in a row. So I think that may be where they're coming from. But we can kind of go wherever we want. Oh. Good for you, buddy. Nice so, job. Um, so I would say, I would say if someone does a good job, you can ask them back as many times as you want. Um, I mean, it, people, if they don't want to show under the same person, there's plenty of shows throughout the country that they can go to. But I think that's up to the show committee itself of who they have. And um, if they do a good job, more power to them. Yeah. We well, see this at at like state fairs, more oftentimes than not, people get passed back two years in a row. Right. It's a two-year system. But at a county fair level, I mean, I, I would say if they are asking the same judge back for more than two years in a row, it's because they've had a lot of great mm-hmm. feedback. So right. I would. it is nice to have varying opinion, I guess, at a county show. Um, and I, I would see say a problem, that though. The devil's advocate against that. I, I'm I'm with you. I think if you do a good job and you're honest evaluator, like you'll get asked back. But the the devil's advocate is I I hear a lot of a knock against it when it comes to like, well, you picked them for showmanship the past mm-hmm. two years. Of course, you're going to win the market right. show this time. Like I I get that, but let's be honest. Those who show really good livestock are also probably really good showmen. So the BS that circles around the favoritism i mean i know we talk a lot about pox on this on this uh, politics on this podcast but let's be real the ones that are good are also probably driven and taken care of 
I mean, there's good showmen who don't have the best ones in the barn. I'm not saying that, but as far as like the, from the judge's side, if you, you shouldn't have to worry about that. Just pick the best one period. <laughs> but right. Yeah. You kind of open, you open up the door for maybe more political type excuses, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, in that regard. But I'm, uh, I'm indifferent to that. Well, right. and I think, um, I mean, I'll speak from experience in Florida. I mean, there's a lot of those um, counties um, that they don't have a lot of other options, I should say. Um, so, I mean, some states it comes down to budget or who is local or, I mean, there's a lot of different factors that come into play. And um, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later as well, but I think that's, one of my biggest pet peeves is how people automatically tie anyone winning to politics or who knew someone. I mean, you can go to shows and, and talk to someone for the first time and, and use them to win a show and automatically you see them anytime after that. And people, you, they see you talking to somebody that you used at a, a previous show and then everything explodes. Um, so I would say that's, it's gotten a bit ridiculous. Yeah. The game of connect the dots is very interesting to follow. If somebody's trying to come up with uh, an excuse like that. Yeah. I've said before, I, I wish I had a blue book of shit that was said either against me or somebody I know that would never even do the stuff that they make up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's sometimes yeah. dumb. Okay, uh, Trevor, I'm pulling a topic out of my own hat. Okay, that I just that I just thought of because we were out sitting at or out of. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, we are sitting across. Well, I am sitting across from a young show judge. Yes. Uh, a young female show judge uh-huh. that has had very cool opportunities to step in some of uh, uh, rings on more more of a national scale. Uh, at times. So Brie, I want your thoughts on uh, number one. Um, what did it take to get to that, you know, that level? Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, what do you say to some of the females judging in JUCO senior college right now mm-hmm. that would also like to take those same opportunities? Absolutely. So um I would say I have been very, very fortunate by the people that I've had the opportunity to surround myself with and learn from. Um, I will say that I was in like probably seventh grade when I gave my first set of reasons. And after that, I was like, I was like, I'm not ever going to do this again. I don't like it. I hate it. And Seth was like, just suck it up and just keep at it. And I would say that kind of like what I hinted earlier, I would say Seth has been the most influential um, to me, not only when it comes to just becoming passionate about the hog industry in itself, but also not being afraid to do what I thought was best for me and, and don't listen to everyone else's thoughts or opinions. I remember um, when I had, started telling people that I committed to Purdue, I would get the the response. Well, why would you go there? Like you're, you're not going to do anything there. And it was just pretty, 
hard for me to grasp that someone that people thought that they had the right to, to tell me what I should or shouldn't do. And I would say that um, it speaks to a lot of other things in life, not even in the livestock industry, but I think you have to just do what you think is best for you and always keep your end goal in mind. And I would say that that's fitting not only to anyone that wants to be successful in the livestock industry, but um, anyone that, you know, just set goals of, of what you want to do and surround yourself with the most successful people that are going to help you get there. And I would say that, I mean, some of those people to name a few that have helped do that. I mean, obviously, like I said, my brother, um, Seth and my mom and dad for driving me to practices and putting up with, (laughs) uh, going back and forth to Blackhawk. Um, but, um, outside of that, Dan Hogue has always been a, a huge mentor to me as Trevor, you and Corey would know. And then, uh, mm-hmm. Matt Clays was extremely instrumental in just teaching me about more about the basics of production livestock. Um, and then, I mean, just breeders that I've had the opportunity to get close with. Um, Mike McCoy has always given a lot of advice and has been a mentor to both Seth and I when it comes to comes to hogs. So I would say my biggest piece of advice would be to um, – just do whatever it is that you're most passionate about and surround yourself with the champions um, in whatever that may be to learn from and ask questions from and um, try to think of ways to get involved. Um, And I would say that's the biggest thing when it comes to judging shows. Um, It's kind of just comes down to, to who, you know, that can help you get into the door and, and some aspects of it. Um, I mean, I would say those are the biggest things. Um, I mean, there was a lot there to that question. Um, Yeah, that's good. But I mean, surround yourself with the people that are the most successful and don't be afraid to ask questions and do whatever it is that you're most passionate about. Yeah. Uh, When it comes to surrounding yourself with the successful people, what's really interesting and, and something that's really opened my eyes ever since Trevor and I started this, this podcast adventure is, you know, you might have a opinion or a, there could be a stigma surrounding a certain group of people Mm -hmm. or a certain breeder or whatever it is. But like, until you truly get involved with those people and understand who they are, where they're, where they come from um, and, and throw everything that you've ever heard about them out of the window to form your own opinion. um, That, that really is a game changer as far Mm -hmm. as your networking goes, because there's some people that, you know, five, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have talked to just because of what I heard. Yeah. Right. And now like some of those people I would consider close friends. Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting is that, and I said this, I think we kind of talked about this, uh, a similar topic when we, we talked with Callus too, but it, it's so easy and it, it's so easy to build a network and make mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. You just got to eliminate everything that you think is uh, going to be a barrier and just do it. Right. And I think it's funny when you go to shows, um, I mean, you, there will always be, regardless of what industry you're in, people that kind of stick to themselves. And I would just say, um, try to, I mean, you're at these shows all across the country and you have these opportunities to meet 
so many different people. Um, I would say that's another big piece of advice is don't be afraid to talk to somebody. And like Corey said, then don't go into anything with preconceived notions because you never Mm -hmm. know who it is you might meet or, or what might come of it. Yeah. I've always, I've always thought to myself, like, you know, I'll form my own opinion. I I need to meet them first because there's a lot of uh, crap talking that goes on and, you know, you don't want to just take that opinion and, and, form that wrong opinion about somebody that may actually be uh, the other side of the coin that 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 particular person wasn't talking about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just never want to shut a door on anybody. uh, That's for sure. Um, Well, Trevor, I'll I'll, I'll echo that with something that I read uh, this morning. Um, We're going to talk about this in our intro. So maybe you can cut this part uh, that I'm getting ready to preface, but um you know, there is a, a young person our age that just uh, lost his life. And I read a post by Eric Schulhaus, um that really kind of opened up a lot of viewpoints. I mean, he, him talking about um, just how we're all in this thing together, regardless of the stock show community is extremely small and mm-hmm. tight. Uh, there's no reason for us to hate on each other. Right. Competition's fun. Don't get me wrong. And I like to win. So does everybody else. But uh, his post, I thought, was really eye-opening. So if you get a chance, uh, go look at Eric Schellhaus' Facebook page and look at his post. And Eric, shout out to you, man. Those are great words. And uh, if you are listening to this, we hope to get you on the show soon. Heck yeah. <laughs> so double plug there. All right, Bree, I'm anxious to get into this question. I want to know more about Florida. Um, you said you were down there with uh, a different type of agriculture than maybe what you're used to back in here in Indiana. Uh, you can touch on that your professional side down there if you'd like, but I want to know the biggest question. Is there a difference or are there any differences with how those shows are run that type of year? And then also compared back to what you're used to up here in the Midwest. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, had the opportunity to take on a crop protection sales territory in Southeast Florida, um, which was a little bit different than corn and soybeans that um, I had been used to in the Midwest. Um, so, I mean, the, the big things that I worked with down there was citrus and vegetables. Um, basically, a lot of the produce that you see at grocery stores, that's what I was working with. But when I wasn't um, focused or when I wasn't um, doing that throughout the week, um, when I first got down there, I was trying to think of ways that I could meet people. Um, and it's extremely hard to move to a completely different state that you don't know anyone, um, let alone anything about the new job that you're just starting. Um, So I reached out to my high school ag teacher, Scott Jacobs, um, who was a huge help in in getting me connected with the right people. Um, And he gave me some ag teachers contact information and um, reached out to them and let them know you know, who I was, what I was interested in, um, you know, a little bit about my background. And that's really how um, the show circuit down there got started. Um, I was able to work with um, some ag teachers and breeders and um, just some folks that had um, kids that were interested in in showing hogs and had even been already going to Expo in Louisville. Um, And I would say it is pretty different Um, down there. I remember the first show I judged when I moved down there um, was the South Florida Fair in West Palm Beach. Um, 
And I remember getting there and, and they're like, okay, you've got to, you're going to go ahead and place these classes and then you're going to correlate ribbon colors to them as well. And there weren't. Oh yeah. They do that in Michigan too. Pins. No holding pins. Oh boy. Um, so I'm, I'm like chasing these kids around trying to, to read their back, back numbers. Um, so I would say that was, I think the, the, biggest um, learning curve that I had. Other than that, um, I mean, a lot of it just comes down to um, some of the facilities that they have just are are not what we have the opportunity to have. And I think that opened my eyes a lot to a lot of us in the Midwest take a lot for granted when it comes to the opportunities and the shows that we are able to go to and how um, how well they're run and the, the quality. Um, so I think that was another a driving force that a lot of us had was how do we give these kids in South Florida the same opportunity that a lot of kids in the Midwest and other parts of the South have. So um, while it was different at first, it, it came, became my new norm. And I think that, um, I mean, the sky is the limit down there. There's a ton of great people down there um, that are going to continue on with um, organizing the circuit they're great people. Um, so I look forward to, to seeing that deal down there grow and, and take off. And, and it really uh, has seeing what they're able to. It really has gotten pretty big over the last couple of years. And I, I mean, I attest a lot of that to you and your, your team that you helped operate that because there is definitely a heck of a lot of interest there in Florida. Well, Georgia, too. But um, I think that circuit alone helped that out a bunch. Uh, was there how many shows was there? And I guess how did you go about not knowing anybody to totally running a full circuit. So I would say the, the biggest thing was, um, you know, kind of what we talked about earlier, don't be afraid to talk to people that you don't know. And I, I give Scott Jacobs a lot of credit um, for, for, you know, lending a hand and sending my contact information to the ag teachers down there. Um, there's another ag teacher down there. That's going to be a, a bridesmaid of my wedding. Um, awesome. that, that came of it. Um, so I think just the, the relationships, um, that I was able to take advantage of, um, Brett okay. Wheeler, Brett Bradner, um, Jimmy Rittenberg, all great people, just to name a few that played a huge role in making Southeast Florida seem like home and, um, you know, playing a huge role in, in, filling me in on, on what was already taking place in Florida and kind of some opportunities that we had to grow upon. So I would say just don't be afraid to, you know, kind of go into new waters, you can say. Unknown territory. No, no, uh, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> I was going to say, you're like the epitome of that because in a similar situation for me growing up in Indiana, going to school in yeah. Illinois and then Texas, like there's opportunities out there and if you can't be scared to take them, even mm-hmm. if they make you feel uncomfortable, because yeah. that was one of the things that I thought was so cool when you first started that circuit down there. I was like, I really, I honestly, other than knowing what I knew a little bit about the Florida state fair, like I was like, do they really show livestock yeah. down there? Like I was kind of in the same boat of, of thinking like, um, showing down in like South Florida would have been the same as showing in like 
northern like north north michigan mm-hmm. which i have done their shows before and like it's a different universe up mm-hmm. there almost so bringing like that midwest knowledge down there i'm sure helped too with just them like, oh so this is how it's got to be if we want to be competitive yeah. you know on a national level because you had kids right. uh gosh it was probably a couple of years ago when we were um and Perry for the Southeast regional. And like, we were sitting there talking, like you had some of those kids that you helped mentor and, and work with and showed on your circuit there that mm-hmm. were competitive that had otherwise not been until that point. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. And it's been cool to see just the, the kids and the families take advantage of it. Um, you know, and they love it. And I think that that's, what's been the most humbling is um, growing up in Indiana, people just kind of expect the next show to, to be the next weekend. And um, I think that was probably what was the most cool is how excited those kids were to, to be able to show. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So what all, I mean, starting that circuit, I mean, obviously a, a, a baby that was, has now grown mm-hmm. fully, but like, what were the first couple shows? Like, was it highly stressful and it was very how many shows were there before you started like what's what was the growth from when you you know what i mean like started from when you left so sorry um, to jump over your court question but okay um so i know you're not (laughs) (laughs) i don't think and i very well could be wrong i don't think there were but a couple um there was so brett wheeler hosted a show down there when I had first moved down there. And that was the first Florida jackpot that I'd ever gone to. That was the first time I ever met Brett Wheeler. Little did I know we would become extremely good friends and um, really close with his family now. Um, And he would be an instrumental part in getting this thing rolling as well. But um, so there were, I mean, there were a couple, a lot of people would go into Georgia to show as well. Um, But this past year we had, I think eight, six or eight shows. Um, and, and they'll start mid November and go through their state fair, which is the beginning of February. So, yeah. Cool. Very cool. I would call that growth for sure. Yeah, definitely. Not much lawyer growth, but growth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's, I mean, if you're down there juggling oranges and eating, you know, tomatoes, it's just, it's kind of hard to get a lot of fluff. Yeah. On a person. Exactly. Maybe I should move down there for a little while. See if it works out for me. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Chev, another segment. How about it? Social Smash. Man, that's so cool. Social Smash is got a new theme song, folks. Brought to you by Brad Hal Ford. If you get in a fender bidder or maybe smash your vehicle, you know, go to Brad Hal Ford in Kokomo, Indiana. If it's time to upgrade and crew update your truck and cruise into a new show to match that new trailer, might as well go to Brad Howe 4 and get with their award-winning customer service that will lead you in the right direction every single time with your new vehicle purchase. Brianna Lawyer, you know what this one's all about. Let's hear them pet peeves. Oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... Mmm, man. My biggest pet peeve when it comes to judging shows or just the the industry in itself mm-hmm. is when people find the need to vent and or call 
specific people out on social media Ugh. as far as like judges like yes. oh, i just went to the show and someone did so and so did a terrible job like yeah i'm sure like that's that's i'm sorry that you think that but there is a time and place to share those thoughts um whether it's with a, your significant other on the ride home from the show um but on social media is not the right place. And I would say in front of your kids, um, especially when they're young, because then they grow up with that stigma um, of it's okay to shake my head and, and not shake the judge's hand in the show ring after I get beat because I mean, my parents do it. So I think that's, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Mm, I love that one. Yeah, it was funny when because uh, Callis was talking about and and even uh, Hook brought this up like back when Breeders World had the forum that I mean yes. just anybody could say anything. Yes, and that that mentality of that era of people that were saying those things on that forum has now transitioned mm-hmm. to Facebook yeah. or other social media too. I mean yeah. Snapchat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I understand completely. Like you can definitely be frustrated by the job that somebody does, or if you don't think they were qualified to be doing the show they were doing, I get it hundred percent, but I could not agree more. And I would just say, I mean, even to broaden, like that was a pretty specific example, I would say. And just to broaden it, I would just say any negativity about the livestock or ag industry on Facebook is, it makes me cringe because you have, you're friends with so many people on social media oh, yeah. that aren't even involved in the industry and you're a part of it and you're, you're talking it down. So I would say that's my big, that's my pet, that's my pet peeve. What are your thoughts on, cause we've had several people say this and I just want to hear your perspective, but there's been a lot of folks on that say their biggest pet peeve is, especially some of the younger folks that we've interviewed, mm-hmm. their biggest pet peeve is when that older generation really bashes on the young breeders and their forethought and that they're mm-hmm. doing it wrong. Cause they haven't been doing it for as long. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say. I would say regardless of what age group you're in, I think we can all, I mean, I, I hate to sound like a rainbow fairy, fairy tale. <laughs> it's, it, the world is butterflies, but I think, I think everyone can learn a little bit about what people take into consideration when they're feeding or breeding and, I think it's all kind of a a happy medium. I think you need to respect other people's opinions and, and be humble about successes. I mean, I do think there are, there is some differ differing go to market strategies and generations um, as far as promoting your own brand. And I think that may be a little bit of what I think some of the, some of the more established breeders are referencing. Um, I would say to the ones that are just getting started, um, I would say it kind of just comes down to not portraying or thinking that you know everything and you've been a part of the industry for 40 years when you're just getting started. Um, right. I think that's a time to right. to be humble and you know try to learn from from the ones that are established. And yep. So that's my Yeah, there's definitely sense. a... 
definitely a balance. You know, I, I think the older generation can kind of say, you know what, they are doing pretty well. Maybe there is something to learn there, mm-hmm. but in the same breath, that young person can't let that go to their head exactly. and say, well, they've also been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years. There's probably a reason they're still in business. Let's, you know, yeah. let's trade some cards here and see what, see what comes of it. Right. That's that you said it best. There's, there's, Aside from each each story, even if it is filled with rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. I mean, I think it all just comes down to humility um, is would be the biggest thing. Yes. So. Yep. Uh, Trevor, trading cards. Were you a big Pokemon guy back in the day? Uh, yes. Got to catch them all. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, Pikachu or Squirtle? Ooh. Uh, I was more of a Charizard guy myself. <laughs> Those are the only two I can remember. So. Uh, <laughs> this is hilarious. Um Please don't make that my title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pikachu or Squirtle. That's going to be the title of this no. episode. Uh, so <laughs> thank you uh, to Brown Help Ford. Please, folks, send in your biggest pet peeves on social media uh, and also your topics. We didn't really uh, we need say that, topics. but send us some topics. Uh, folks, Temple Grandin is going to be on the podcast oh here. Oh, gosh. Seriously? Yeah. Octo- awesome. October. Uh, first week in October, she's going to be on. That is awesome. Yeah. So we need your input and your topics. I mean, Trevor and I have a laundry list of things, but we don't want to make this about us. More so, we want to hear what you guys have to say or are interested in hearing Temple Grandin talk about. So keep that in the back of your mind as well when you're sending those topics in. Anyways, Bree, how good did it feel to be a national champion and kick everybody in the teeth that said you shouldn't have gone to Purdue? It was awesome. I think that was... I can, I mean, I still remember, I can still picture it like it was yesterday. I think exactly like what you just said, Corey, I think that was what was the most rewarding was um, thinking about the people that, um, you know, questioned my decision. Um, I don't, I don't think that's really up to a lot of people to do unless you're a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that was what the biggest was, that was the most rewarding about it. Um, it was both rewarding and slightly disappointing following the win, just because, you know, everything starts coming out of the woodwork. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, trust me being at tech, like we thought we had the team, like talent was there, but, but that year of, of judging, I mean, you guys were so competitive in Juco and then when you all dispersed and went elsewhere for right, senior yeah. college, you got even more competitive. Right. And so oh, like yeah. everybody talks about the market lamb class and all that other stuff. Oh, and, market lambs. Yeah. I love market lambs. Well, of course. Of course. <laughs> and I, mean, I think that's what I joke about it. And I, I think, um, I think like we talked about earlier, I mean, people, people lose and they automatically they don't think about what they could have done differently. Right. They think about yep. what, how, how it didn't go in their favor or right. how something was rigged or how yep. the market lamb class was just ridiculous and the officials um, did it wrong or so, I mean, I think that's kind of what it goes to. I, it was extremely rewarding, but also at the same time, it was pretty disappointing afterwards. Um, and even to this day, there are, there are people that still claim that they were on the national champion team, um, that didn't go to Purdue. That's kind of petty. So it's, it's things like that that are just kind of like, 
Really? Yeah. So, but. Like it was, it was interesting for me and hard for me, honestly. And I did, I never said anything to anybody just because I was like, they're going to think what they're going to think. And I'm just not, it's not even worth trying to make a point. Yeah. But I mean, there were, there were times and, and honestly, there's people that listen to this show um, probably that were a part of some of those discussions about, you know, well, you know, screw Purdue livestock judging. Like they didn't deserve it. We had the, you know, this, mm-hmm. that, and the other, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, you realize that just because some of those kids on that team didn't come from a prominent JUCO or didn't, don't come from like, or didn't go to a JUCO crazy, at all. Yeah. Or didn't go to JUCO at all. Right. And I was like, I was like, just because they aren't what you think they should have been mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're not talented. Right. And I, th- I think, I mean, it's not like we weren't competitive. At, I mean, it's not like we didn't have individuals that weren't competitive. I mean, right. I, th- I think, um, you know, sometimes, I mean, the cards just fall. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of it. Um, I mean, Josh Street Matter, um, like, I feel like you'll have to edit that part out because that was kind of a, a blank um, thought. But, I mean, it, we, we kind of joked about it because we thought, you know, we're kind of like the team of not misfits, but – I feel like that's how people kind of looked at us. Um, And I think what made it even more cool was that we were a team of everyone was from Indiana. Everyone grew up in Indiana. And I think that's what Purdue battles with the most is we don't have um, the funds or um, the programs in place that a lot of other extremely competitive judging schools do when it comes to scholarships. And um, I highly I respect Matt Clay's a ton and I can't thank him enough for, um, you know, all the, everything that, that we learned from him. And that was, that was, that was seriously two of my favorite years. Um, so I would say just encourage people to, to put your head down and do what you're most passionate about and not worry about what everyone says. Yeah. Well, and, and that's definitely been the message. It's it's cool to sit back too and think, you know, just off the top of my head, and, and I don't remember everybody that was on your team, but think about what those people are doing in the industry right now. Right, Josh Street Matters selling like a lot of competitive cattle. Mm-hmm. You know, you started a freaking show circuit from nothing in Florida, and and have been raising hogs successfully with your brother for who knows how long, and now you and Austin diving into mm-hmm. things together. Like, there's a lot of moving parts in your life that are being you know starting to come out of the woodwork. And then Logan um, Reinhold with horses at Express. Yeah. And, and, and Isaac Mersh doing what he's doing with, with their Mm -hmm. place, you know, getting ready to, you know, launching a boar stud and, and, you know, having, you know, the success they've had over the last few years. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kelly, Kelly Green. Yes. Holy crap. I mean, girl can feed one. Yeah. They can Uh, feed multi-species can feed one. Absolutely. So it's cool to, it's cool to kind of sit back and reflect on some of that stuff. And I would just kind of circles back to the, like, man, just cause you're upset about something like right. let's, you know, cause I remember some Facebook posts and stuff. Oh, and it was it awful. Was, I mean, it was, it was, it was like you, you wanted to be happy, but you, you couldn't because so much stuff was getting said and it was just kind of like, you kind of question it. And I remember that morning at the banquet and I will always remember it. And I will always thank, um, Brant Poe, um, I remember after our name got announced, I mean, I just kind of sat there for a second, like what? Um, 
I remember Brant Poe stood up and started clapping and then the rest of the room stood up and started clapping. And I think that's kind of the image that I'll always remember. And I think, um, you know, the tech team, they were all extremely supportive. And like I mentioned, Brant Poe and that crew and, um, you know, I think I highly respect those individuals for what they did. And, um, you know, I say that in the most humble of ways because I talked earlier about, you know, humility, but, yeah. um, so yeah. Go. All right. Man. Well, Trev, you, you, uh, do you want to take the last question? Are you going to leave it to me? I sure can. No, I can do it. Uh, we always ask this every single time and I'm sure you know this, but, uh, we, we respect your opinion a lot or else we, uh, you know, we wouldn't dig in and pick your brain like we're doing now. So, uh, first of all, thanks for taking the time in a noisy hotel lobby to sit down with us and chat. Uh, but we always want to finish the episode with where do you see the show stock industry in five years? Where do I see the livestock industry in five years? Um, I mean, I hope it, I would, I hope, and I, I am confident that it will continue doing what, it is now when it comes to growing. And, um, I think the passion that, that kids have is continuing. I think it's, um, I mean, I think you guys can all agree that it's fun to get on Facebook during national bear show time. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. I mean, any other time, whether you're going to expo or Louisville or whatever your favorite show may be, um, those are some of my favorite times. And I look forward to five years down the road, um, you know, thinking about my own kids being in this industry and um, Seth's got a little one now and um, he's already weighs more than him, but um, <laughs> <laughs> little guy just turned one and nieces and um, I got a niece and some nephews and I think about them if they want to show. And I think, you know, the sky's the limit for this deal. And um, I'm confident that we're heading in the right direction. And I think it's, I just encourage people that if they see an opportunity to advocate for the industry or get involved to do that, um, I would say that would be the the biggest um, and most impactful thing that we can do as we're involved in the industry. And I thank you guys for um, getting this up and started. I think it's pretty cool, and I think it help, helps us spread our story about why we do what we do and. So I would just say the sky's the limit for the livestock industry and highly encourage um, people to get involved where they can and be positive and, um, you know, do their part. I totally agree. Yeah. You mentioned the, the Barra show pilgrimage, the, the spot pig always comes up and then uh, Facebook always reminds me how much of a baby I look like when I was uh, a freshman sophomore. And uh, we're by Phenotypic Acres with the inaugural uh, sign they have out there. And yeah. And then you think, oh, my God, look was what's happened since then. Right. And like you said, like next five years, I didn't, think we'd be re- I, I didn't think we'd be doing a podcast five years ago. That's for damn sure. Well, so I mean, you never know. I think I mean, you look at you look at those posts and pictures and I think the involvement from kids are kids. I shouldn't say kids. We're not kids anymore. Um, but I would say that just the industry involvement and the youth organizations that are growing is pretty cool to, to watch. Um, so I would say that it's certainly not going to slow down anytime soon. 
No. Absolutely. Not at all. Well, this has been another really, really fun episode with a good friend. So thanks for taking time. You were in, said you were in meetings all day today. And I think the last thing you wanted to do was talk more, but I truly appreciate you just hanging out with Corey there in Indiana and allowing me to uh, let your eardrums bleed for a little bit longer. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It's always fun getting to sit down and hang out with fellow livestock enthusiasts. That we are. Yes. That we are. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, we would love to hear from you. Send us your topics, your social smashes. If you want to be a sponsor, nobody that wants, know somebody that does want to be on our platform, as you've heard throughout this show today. Give us a call. Send us a message. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Follow us, like us, share us. Play us in your barn on the long rides to shows or while you're taking a shower. I don't know. Is it weird for us to be in the shower with people? Bluetooth? There you go. Put it that way. Put it what way? (laughs) Uh, If we're in the shower Uh, with people? Moonshine and beefcake. Okay. Anyways. um, (laughs) Go check out stocktalk-podcast.com. Get your merch. Learn more about me and Trevor. Go back and listen to previous episodes if you ever get bored because I've listened to a couple, honestly, of my own that have really been positive and actually helped Trevor and I improve our interviewing skills, which have been very lackadaisical until like the last two months. So (laughs) thank you for listening. We're still growing. Give us a five-star review, guys. That really helps out a bunch. Help us climb the podcast podcast ladder because I guess <laughs> words are hard. Yeah, always. Uh, but instead of having a grander reserve, they decide uh, whoever has the most five star reviews gets grander reserve. So we're really trying here. Anyways, folks, we love you all. Thanks so much for listening. This has been another edition of Stock Talk. Mm-hmm.